Hey, everybody, this is Heidi St. John. Today is Friday, August the 6th, and today I'm going to hit a couple of headlines for you guys. World's on fire, but some good things are happening. Stick around. I think you're going to be encouraged. So thanks for tuning in today. I know you guys have other things that you could be doing. I appreciate you spending a couple of moments with me here at my little corner of the internet. I have had kind of a rough, I don't know, last eight, nine days uh, of a virus that I have been just wrestling this thing to the ground. And I'll be talking more about that next week. But in the meantime, I want to encourage you guys uh you know, I've I've been thinking a lot about just what's going on in the country and the the, uh, the impending, you know, da- ever ever uh, dangling, you know, lockdowns in front of us and all the things. And we know because uh, we live here that this is wrong. This is a wrong way to handle uh, a virus with a ninety nine point nine eight percent survival rate. It's a wrong way to uh, to treat the American citizens, and we're seeing now really what is uh, can only be described as a totalitarian uh, flavor in the Biden administration, and it's downright terrifying. And I got to thinking, you know, I I one of my favorite devotionals um, is written by Paul David Tripp. It's called New Morning Mercies. I've had this book for a long time, and I thought that before I hit into some of the headlines today. I would read to you from one of those devotions because there, I think there is a weariness and I don't know if you guys are feeling it or not, but I have a hunch that I'm not the only one. I have a hunch that there are a lot of you who are feeling the spirit of the age right now. A lot of you who are feeling kind of a darkness and a heaviness. And I don't believe that, um, that God's asking us to pretend like this isn't happening. I think he wants us to call out to him and he wants us to acknowledge that our help comes from him. And I was reading this uh, from the devotional today and I thought I would just read it to you and I hope that it encourages you on this Friday. It says, when you're weary with the battle, remember that the one who is your strength never takes a break, never needs sleep, never grows weary. Life in this fallen world is wearisome. Sometimes your marriage is just exhausting as you work to make a sinner married to a sinner coexist in love and peace. Sometimes it's just plain tiring to be a parent, particularly on those days when it seems that your children have conspired together to be corporately rebellious. Sometimes you don't feel like being nice to that neighbor who seems to be able to look at everything and find a reason to complain. Sometimes you just get exhausted dealing with your own heart, you know, the desires you shouldn't have and the thoughts you shouldn't think. Sometimes you have to drag yourself to your church service or your small group. Sometimes you just like to get off the Christianity treadmill and zone out, but you can't. You wake up the next day and you have to do it all over again. Another temptation, another marital misunderstanding, another conflict with another friend, another resistant child, or another moment when you feel the emotional temperature change. When you're weary and feeling weak, run to the Psalms. There's grace to be found there. I lift up my eyes to the hills. For where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord, who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. 
The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. That's Psalm 121. This psalm confronts you and me with two truths that we must always remember. First, we are not in this battle alone. We have a keeper, and our safety is in his commitment. Second, the one who is our keeper never, ever takes a break. His keeping care is 24-7, forever and ever. The inexhaustible keeper is your help and your strength. And when you're weary, you can run to him. Uh, This has really been something that the Lord's been impressing on my heart, especially for the last, I don't know, probably eight or nine days as I've been really not feeling well. And uh, I'm reminded that I think when we, as Christians, when we go through things that are difficult, and it's not just illness, right? It's what's happening in the country. It's what's happening in my own backyard. It's all the things that I see going on around me. And I think the temptation is for us to think we have to fix it. It's up to us when the Lord of Heaven's armies is saying, hey, I'm right here. When was the last time you sat down with your kids on the couch and you just said, let's let's pray, you guys. Let's Let's talk about what's going on. And really bring it before the Lord and then leave it there. Because we're called to do what God asks us to do. No more and no less. And I have been so encouraged lately uh, getting emails from you guys and and, um, messages from my staff as you guys are are sending in your off-the-bench stories. And even though I sometimes feel... Uh, more responsible, I think, than I should (laughs) for the things that are happening around me. The Lord is reminding me that he is always at work and he never sleeps. There's nothing that's happening right now in the culture that's taken the Lord of Heaven's armies by surprise. So moms, you can take your kids to the park today. And you don't need to worry about what's happening in the news. And you don't need to obsess over things that you can't change. Our, our responsibility has been given to us by the Lord, and that is to love justice and mercy and walk humbly with the Lord. God wants us to work for him. And when you work for someone, you acknowledge that they're the head. And it was just, it was just such, a, um, such an encouragement to me today to remember that. And I hope that it encourages you as well. There are some really important things happening right now. And, uh, the, one of the first things, and, um, you know, Lord willing, I'm going to be speaking at an event, uh, this morning actually in Longview. Uh, but there's some really important things happening, not the least of which our parents are finally, finally starting to stand up. And you guys, I've, I've been telling you this for a long time. You outnumber them. The people that are, that are cramming this garbage down your kids' throats and forcing them to wear masks for a virus that with a 99.9% survival rate, which, by the way, rarely affects children. And I read in PJ Media uh, just today that there is a teacher's union suing a mom 
because she asked what the local public school was teaching her daughter. You guys, there was a time when parental involvement in our kids' education was seen as a good thing, and parents were encouraged to be involved. We were supposed to meet our kids' teachers, and we were supposed to participate in class once or twice a week. This was part of making sure that our kids obtain an education that our tax dollars were paying for. But the COVID uh, scamdemic and the moral panic following George Floyd's death destroyed all of that. Unionized teachers advocated for closing schools and keeping them closed and started sneaking in critical race theory teachings at every level during online classes. And when parents noticed and asked, they tended to get run to get the runaround or worse. In Loudoun County, Virginia, public school administrators and teachers formed a cabal to hunt down and smear parents who questioned them. Now, Rhode Island mom, Nicole Solis wanted to know what her daughter was being taught in kindergarten. So she asked the school for copies of the curriculum. Now, you guys, she's entitled to that because she's a parent and she's a taxpayer. Public school curricula are public documents. But instead of accommodating her, the school fought her. And uh, because she's a good mom, this raised her suspicions. So then she asked for more and more, about 200 public information requests, and got more and more of a runaround from the school. They even tried to stick her with a bill for $74,000 as a way of making her go away. Now, the all-powerful National Educators Association, Rhode Island, has sued this mom. She was served the lawsuit this week. The NEA, by the way, is the largest teachers union in the United States, and it backs using public schools to teach critical race theory. It proudly states that its president, Becky Pringle, is, quote, a fierce social justice warrior and a defender of educators' rights. NEA's bio Pringle doesn't mention parents at all. So the NEA sued Nicole Solis, and she posted the lawsuit on Twitter, and basically said, game on. But boiling it down, we discovered that this gigantic union wants the court to do nothing more than silence this mom from asking questions about her kid's education. They want the court to enable public school administrators to hide documents that have always been subject to FOIA laws, that's the Freedom of Information Act, uh, and... It's amazing to me, and honestly, you guys, it's just showing you what's behind the public schools and the the role that these teachers think that they can play in the lives of our kids. And I've been talking about this for a long time, but I'm encouraged because uh, this mom is not going to give up. She's going to fight these guys in court. And you know what, you guys? She's going to win. Because the more you step forward and say, no, these are not, these, these children do not belong to the school. They do not belong to the state. They belong to parents and parents have every right to understand and see and approve of everything that their children are being taught. So I was, uh, I was encouraged by that. Another thing that encouraged me happened right in my own backyard in Culver, Oregon. And I think I'm going to put this Yeah, I think I will. I'm going to try to put this image in the show notes today so that you guys can use them at your own school board meetings. Uh, This went out to the families in the Culver School District, and it came from the elementary principal and the district superintendent. Her name is Stephanie Garber, 
And this is what she said on July 30th. She said, Dear Families, Culver School District was extremely disappointed to learn yesterday that the governor, Kate Brown, mandated masks for public schools for the upcoming school year. We believe it is our district's role to consider the full impact on safety, learning, and social development that masks have on children. At our school board meeting last night, we confirmed the following. One, children are medically, physically, and psychologically harmed by mask mandates. Two, masks are a form of discrimination and inequality that is visual day after day. The students in poverty have to use the school-provided medical blue disposable mask. They do not have access to custom store-bought ones. This visually shows their economic status to everyone. Three, no one at the state level is talking about the psychological effects of masks and communication. We saw negative effects daily on our campus. Four, we've never had an outbreak of any kind on campus from September to June. Cases that did happen were from exposures outside of school, and our parents were excellent at being cautious, informing the school, and keeping their students home if there was even a hint of illness. And we trust them to do so again. Wow. Five, we have an excellent partnership with the Jefferson County Health Department. And six, every decision needs to be given to families. And we trust that they determine what they feel is best for their child, both for masks and vaccines. And this is my favorite statement. I will not tolerate any mandate that risks the safety, learning, or social development of our students. Our district will do whatever it takes to retain the stance of local decision-making and have masks be optional, honoring each family's wishes for their own student. Sincerely, Stephanie Garber, which that woman deserves a medal. This is what needs to happen. And I'm going to put this letter um, up on the show notes today in case any of you want to do a similar thing and show these to your Uh, principals and your superintendents at your schools because it's wrong what uh, what is being mandated right now and you guys we're seeing the hypocrisy of the left right we're seeing it as they're they're losing a grip on their uh, on their rona narrative they're absolutely losing the grip the cdc has been completely uh completely uh no one trusts them anymore They've just ruined their reputation because they're constantly changing the narrative. One day the masks work, the next day they don't. One day your vaccine's going to help you, the next day you got to wear your mask, even if you're vaccinated. Uh, this is wrong. And the American people are, are wise to it now. And I'm thankful. So keep standing up. You guys start going to rallies. Uh, when you see that there's a rally being held in your area, show up. Because it sends a statement loud and clear to the people who are trying to manage and micromanage your everyday life. Speaking of micromanaging your everyday life, another good uh, piece of good news out of California is that uh, Gavin Newsom, the horrible governor, the tyrannical dictator of California, is uh, losing right now. And uh, I just read a survey on Wednesday showed that more than half of the Californians would vote to remove him from office. And even more worrisome for the Democrat governor, only 40% of eligible voters say they will vote no on the recall. So this dude is in trouble. And I think there's about five weeks to go before election, but I'm going to encourage you guys, stay abreast of what's happening. Uh, Larry Elder 
is running to replace him, and I think he's got an excellent shot at it. I cannot even imagine how amazing it would be for Californians to get rid of Gavin Newsom and replace them with a patriot like Larry Elder. So you guys need to check that out. And if you can support him financially, absolutely do it because uh, these races are important. And uh, I'm I'm noticing it. You know, someone wrote to me the other day and said, "Did you see that? You know, um, Bruce Jenner is also." Uh, running in this race. Yes, I have seen that, but he's obviously, uh, that that poor man, he just needs a lot of media attention all the time. He doesn't have a snowball's chance of winning this thing. But Larry Elder, Larry Elder has a shot at it and he would actually be an excellent governor. So check it out, you guys, and uh, and then keep praying for these people. They need, they need your, uh, they need your prayers and they need your support. They need your financial support. We got to start putting our money where our mouth is. And speaking of this, guys, other really good news. I'm going to end just your Friday with just good news because uh, the American people are sick of what's going on. And I, for one, am excited to see uh, you guys starting to stand up. Did you watch uh, uh, DeSantis the other day saying that he didn't want to hear a blip about COVID from Biden? That was epic. It was epic. Uh, he was responding to an attack by Biden, who uh, is showing his his uh, totalitarian stripes every single day. He's when he's asked, "Well, does that uh, will that pass constitutional muster?" No, he says, "You know, I'm not sure, but we're going to sure you know try to figure it out." In other words, we're going to twist it and bend it and see what kind of constitutional gymnastics we can do to uh, mandate a vaccine for all Americans, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, when Ron DeSantis had an opportunity to address uh, Biden, who basically was um, accusing him of not doing his job, and, you know, if, if you can't do it, uh, he said, you know, get out of the way. That's what Biden said about uh, Ron DeSantis. So Ron DeSantis fires back and says, why don't you do your job? Why don't you secure the border? Until you do that, he continued, I don't want to hear a blip about COVID from you. Thank you. That was amazing. And I was like, oh, finally, finally, because Biden, uh, this guy who is just clearly on some sort of, you know, some sort of mental decline, he's right in the middle of I don't know. I feel sorry. I actually feel sorry for him. I'm less angry at him and I'm more just I'm looking at at Jill Biden. I'm like, this woman does not love her husband or she would not um, embarrass him like this because every time he opens his mouth, it's embarrassing. Right. Uh, But uh, while Florida and Texas, they do lead the nation in new covid cases, the so-called surge of hospitalizations is a minuscule fraction of what they were during the height of the pandemic. And so for Biden to uh, to call out the governors of Florida and Texas because these guys are actually giving more freedom to their people, which is what they should do. The, the role of government is to protect the freedom of the people. And what we're seeing in the Biden administration is exactly the opposite. So uh, I read an article, and I'll link back to it for those of you who are interested, but they were talking about the uh, the three vital facts that Biden's attack against these governors ignored. The first one was that COVID-related deaths are way down even in Texas and Florida. The second is that Florida is home to the largest population of elderly residents in the country. And they, of course, were and remain the most susceptible to the Wuhan flu. So beside that, the state has actually enjoyed a COVID-related death rate lower than New York. And the third, of course, is Biden's own role in creating Texas's troubles. His uh, semi-official policy of putting down the welcome mat for illegal aliens has unleashed a flood of immigrants into Texas. And these guys are coming in without being tested for the Rona, 
They're not being vaccinated. And it, it, it shows you just the hypocrisy of the whole thing that these guys don't actually care about your health. And I'm going to say this again for the hundredth time. Uh, health doesn't come from a mask and a needle. And so Biden's just putting on a show and he's actually making things worse. This is political theater and it's disgusting. And uh, I was very proud of Ron DeSantis for reacting forcefully because he knows he's right and he knows that Biden is wrong. And uh, we've got to do better at holding our elected officials accountable. And I, there, is a, there is a reckoning coming, you guys. And I know that it's going to be here uh, before we know it. And this is another reason why uh, the 2022 elections are going to be so important. And also these elections that are coming up in the fall uh, for your local races, so important that we know who is leading us because we're he- we're in this mess that we're in because we have terrible leadership, and it starts at the bottom and works its way all the way up to the top, and uh, we're going to have to do the hard work now of digging ourselves out of the hole that we've got ourselves into. So uh, I I for one am in- am encouraged. Also, and I'm going to end on this another piece of good news. I've been watching, and Americans more and more and more and more are opposing vaccine passports. And I, I got a, a very interesting um, message on my Instagram account the other day from a woman who said that she normally, you know, agreed with everything I said, but she said, we have to mandate the vaccine. She'd said that she was immunocompromised and because of her um, immunocompromised, you know, her immune system being compromised, she could get sick from the Rona and she could die. Therefore, everybody needs a vaccine. Well, not only is that short-sighted and selfish, it's also dangerous. And this illusion that this mRNA therapy, gene therapy jab that the government wants to mandate, this illusion that it's going to give us safety or keep us from dying, it's almost like people have forgotten that life is risky and that we're all going to, wait for it, die. We all are. And we have a responsibility to guard our freedom. And I will take a dangerous liberty any any day over uh, a coerce, a coercion that is supposed to result in my safety. And we know that that's not true. And it's, it's, it's a, you know, it's the end result of what now we've seen for generations in our public schools, teaching our kids that uh, safety is not that, that, that safety is the highest priority that our government should be able to make these decisions, these personal decisions. I think it's fascinating. Like whatever happened to the, my body, my choice people, uh, they, you know, crickets can't hear, you know, those guys anymore. Um, and actually the, my body, my choice thing applies in this situation because, uh, they want to give you an injection and that is your body. And it should always be your choice. When you talk about abortion, that's not your body. (laughs) <laughs> that little innocent human being whose life you want to snuff out through abortion, that's not your, that's not your body. And so it finally, it finally makes sense. And yet crickets from the liberals. Amazing to me. Amazing. Anyway, um, I'm excited because I, I think we're starting to see a shift and that's exciting to me, you guys. I'm going to encourage you again, get off the bench and onto the battlefield. Go ahead and send me your stories of getting off the bench. You can do that by reaching out to me, HeidiStJohn.com forward slash mailbox Monday. We love you guys. Thank you so much for your prayers and support for our family. We uh, appreciate your financial support for my run for Congress. And you can get involved at HeidiStJohnForCongress.com. Have a great weekend, everybody. And I will see you back here on Monday at the intersection of faith and culture. For more encouragement, visit me online at TheBusyMom.com.